Hello and welcome to the latest podcast with me, Seb Lozier, at the Hard Rock Stadium, home to the Miami Dolphins, and for the next couple of weeks playing host to the first ATP Masters 1000 of the year. As you'd expect, the sky is blue here, the palm trees are fluttering in a light breeze, but it is still very hot and sticky to be playing tennis. The players are out behind me on the practice courts. We'll be hearing from tournament director, former world number four, James Blake, and one of his American wildcards shortly. But first, there is a new champion in town after last week's ATP 500s in Acapulco and Dubai. In the Middle East, Russian Aslan Karatsev picked up where he left off at the Australian Open, beating first compatriot Andrei Rublev and then South Africa's Lloyd Harris to clinch the Dubai duty-free tennis championships. Afterwards, he spoke with Karthi Nanasigram. Uh, you never know when he's coming, so we did a good, good job with my team, with my coach, and yeah, it's happened now, so you never know when he's come. And this surface, you have enjoyed playing on it, haven't you? Some of the others, some of the big names in the uh, top seeds that we had here in Dubai didn't particularly like the fast surface. Did it help you? Uh, the f- the for the beginning, it was tough because I arrived from Doha. The service in Doha was really slow compared to here. And then, uh, yeah, I got used to it. So, yeah, I like it. It's fast. So. We've spoken over the week about the reaction to you getting to the semi-finals at the Australian Open back in Russia. What do you think the reaction is going to be like now you've won a title? Of course, uh, everybody's r- really happy. My family, my friends, the people around me who were supporting me. So, yeah. <laughs> and how tired are you after what's been a very long week, both mentally and physically for you? Yeah, it was a tough week. I had a, a, most of them were th- three set matches, so I tried to recover myself and go off to do Miami. Sorry. You beat Andre Rublev. Presumably that's the biggest win of your career. You haven't, you haven't been beaten by anybody other than the top five so far this year. Did you speak to Andre after that match and, and what was your conversation? No, we didn't spoke yet. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough match. Uh, to play against him is really tough opponent, playing really fast, especially on the surface. Uh, yeah, once you step back, he starts to move you. So, yeah, I was trying to take the opportunity to, to be more aggressive. And, yeah. and a word about your opponent tonight, Lloyd Harris. He didn't make it easy for you in that final at all, did he? He wasn't easy. It was really tight. So, as I said, it's final, so everything can happen. So, yeah, I'm happy that I won. It was still a very good week for Lloyd Harris, who became the first qualifier to reach the Dubai final. I think I've really uh, been serving pretty well. It's been one of my strengths throughout the week, um, as well as kind of that first punch tennis. You know, I really um, adapted to the surface pretty well and, and using it to my advantage. I've also really just been competing well on the other guys' serve, making them play and giving myself as many looks as possible. Um, so most of all I would say it's like the serve in the forehand kind of. How much is it about mental strength as well staying strong particularly in a match like that where you're set and two four down and your opponent is perhaps struggling a bit mentally how much do you have to stay strong? Yeah I mean mentally it always comes to play uh, in a tennis match especially when I was you know when you like set down break down and physically maybe not feeling at your 100%, uh, you really got to dig deep. You got to find that uh, you know inner belief, that little bit of extra energy. Um, something I've been doing really well in the last two matches, so uh, just happy with that. Harris probably played his best tennis to get past Denis Shapovalov 
in the semis. He, like many, is still adjusting to the current situation and trying to take things in his stride. Yeah, definitely feel feel great. I mean, obviously, it's it's not easy mentally to, to be in the bubble all the time. So we're trying to, to play less events this year and uh, just kind of do two, three weeks at a time and uh, and then get out of the bubble, which is what I did, uh, you know, after Australia, I went to, to Dubai and just just practice here just to kind of get out, uh, get away a little bit and uh, kind of getting into into the tournament phase, trying to play as many matches as possible and uh, just kind of going to try to to play like this this year of course like like I said uh, when when you're there for a while which I was last year kind of kind of gets to you mentally so it's uh, it's good to to kind of have a have a balance if you were looking back at this year if we're talking in the year's time what would you hope to have achieved yourself over this year and what would you hope tennis will be like over this year yeah well I mean my my dream is to you know to to be winning slams and uh, breaking top 10 making number one but uh, for this year I think I mean I, I would really love to to win win a big title um, you know obviously it's uh, never 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 easy you can never you know know what to expect especially with the draws and the tournaments but uh, you know I definitely feel like my game is there my level and uh, yeah and I believe that that I'm able to to win you know 500s and masters so definitely definitely uh, one of my goals is, is to do that. I know he's standing nearby, so he might hear you. But what are the positives <laughs> of having worked with Mikhail over the last couple of years? No, he's actually a really, really terrible guy, and uh, it sucks sucks to work with him. He's not even listening. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, but uh, no, he's he's honestly great, and uh, the connection we've had is uh, it's just been unbelievable. I feel like from from the moment we started working together, it's just. Uh, We've just connected, you know, not not even on a tennis level, but uh, just you know, just speaking to each other. I feel like we we really understand each other and uh, and our personalities. So it's uh, it's just been a great great teamwork. And I feel like the, from the moment we we started, we've uh, we've really been able to to kind of kind of trust each other and uh, and work really well as a team. Denis Shapovalov with Kathy Nana Seagram, who had a busy week in Dubai. She also spoke with exciting young Italian Yannick Sinner. You had a, a great end to last season with Sofia and then a good start again to the start of this season. How, how are you finding the transition between playing and being in the bubbles? People are finding it that they can do it for a few weeks and then maybe they have to leave. How are you finding all of it? Your results have been good. Well, uh, honestly for me, uh, it doesn't change so much because, you know, I, I practice quite a lot. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite tired, uh, even if the bubble is not here. Uh, usually I go to sleep uh, quite early, uh, going back in the hotel and and have a rest. Uh, obviously, sometimes you know when you lose maybe the first rounds, you would like to go out, uh, having a great dinner uh, with friends. Um, I think that's the part what I'm missing. But you know, I think the rest, you know, uh, I'm focusing about improving. So you know, having quite a lot of time in in the gym and on court. So. I'm, uh, I'm feeling okay with Pablo, actually. Uh, can I talk to you about another youngster? We spoke to Dennis Shapovalov a little bit earlier, and he was talking about you. Obviously, you had a massive match at the Australian Open. What do you like about his game and about playing matches against him, which could happen for a long time for the next few years? Well, for me, it was the first time playing against him. Uh, you know, playing best of five is a little bit different. Uh, I think he's an incredible player. Playing very, very aggressive, uh, he's lefty as well. So you know, it's never easy playing against uh, against him. Uh, I think two years ago, uh, I was fortunate to practice with him uh, a few days in uh, in Monte Carlo and in Rome as well. So you know, 
uh, getting to know him even a little bit as a person and uh, he has a great team behind behind him as well so he has he's going to have uh, a, a very great future in front of him what he already has and uh, you know I'm very hopefully that uh, that that we can play some more some more great matches against it's been a very strange 12 months for everybody if we're looking at this next year and I'm talking to you then what would you have hoped to have achieved over the next the 12 months of 2021 well for me uh, obviously playing tennis uh, is my passion is 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 what what I like to do uh, every day so uh, I'm very looking forward to improve myself uh, getting higher level but I think for everyone is uh, much more important the healthy uh, being healthy having his family uh, people who are close close to each other and I think or I hopefully uh, I really hope that in 2021 this situation uh, can change a little bit um, I think that's much more important than obviously playing tennis it's uh, it's our passion it's our sport it's that what we actually invest uh, to do and Obviously, uh, I'm very happy on the position where I'm now uh, playing. I can I can play good tournaments, big tournaments, and uh, I'm very looking forward to that as well. So uh, hopefully, it's going to be a a great 2021. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. He's won the doubles with his brother Misha in 2018, finished runner-up to Nick Kyrgios in 2019, and he's just been crowned the singles champion of 2021, beating Stefanos Tsitsipas in the final. It's fair to say Sasha Zverev likes playing in Acapulco. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's always very nice to, to be liked at a place. And I always feel like this is a place where the fans, uh, you know, enjoy coming here, watching me play and are kind of behind me. So, uh, yeah, this, this is great. And I love coming back to Mexico and playing here. I always said that this is a tournament that I definitely want to win in my career and um, you know I have obviously very strong feelings a very strong relationship with Mexico and you know with this tournament and uh, you know I, I came here with with a goal and, and I achieved that and I'm very happy with that uh, you know at the end of the day yeah it's great it's a great achievement for me I mean you you come to play tournaments to to win tournaments and uh, I feel like you know, I've, I've done that this week. I'm extremely happy with that. But, uh, you know, the, the main goal is still, as I said, it's still the, the biggest titles in the world. It's the Grand Slams. It's the, uh, you know, the, the ones where it's the most difficult to win. And uh, that I haven't achieved yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I think this is also a big step stone for me. So now I'm looking forward to Miami. Another player in Acapulco who's looking forward to Miami is another young Italian, Lorenzo Musetti. The 19-year-old burst onto the scene in Rome last year, beating both Stan Wawrinka and Kei Nishikori. And in Acapulco, he went from qualifying all the way through to the semi-finals, where he lost to Tsitsipas, a run that brought a major milestone. This week for me was a dreaming, a dreaming week, so I couldn't believe what I did and uh, I couldn't expect it. But... You know, you have to live the moment to to believe on, uh, on what you are doing. So it's uh, like every day was different. Every day was a big emotion for me, and uh, it's a dream came true. I mean, uh, since I was a kid, I I hoped and I dreamed to uh, to be one day top 100. I mean, to 
to enter on the tour uh, finally i uh, i got this and uh, i mean was incredible so i will try to now to rest and uh, to prepare uh, at the best as possible uh, miami and uh, try to go as far uh, as far as i can uh, in uh, in miami Musetti set to go to a career-high 94 in the FedEx ATP rankings. And one player in Mexico was even younger than Musetti. 17-year-old Spaniard Carlos Alcaraz spoke with Paul King about his recent progress, much of which he puts down to his attacking game. Yeah, I can say that I uh, play aggressive. I try to play all the time aggressive. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's a similar game to Roy Federer. I think it's uh, all the time playing aggressive, uh, trying to go to the net and uh, yeah, and try to, to hit winners. And, uh, yeah, I think. Um, you have another Spanish legend working with you, uh, Juan Carlos Ferrero, of course. How much of an influence has he been and how big a help has he been for you in your career? Well, Juan Carlos uh, helped me a lot uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm playing that uh, kind of uh, tournaments and uh, the challengers, uh, the quality of uh, the ATPs, uh, so they, uh, he, he played already that uh, kind of tournament, so he, he has uh, a lot of experience and uh, he, he can uh, teach me how to manage the, the, the nerves, how to manage the, the opportunities, so for me it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's incredible to, to have uh, Juan, uh, Juan Carlos to, with me. Um, you're only 17, already made this strong start to 2021. People are already talking about you even maybe uh, qualifying for the next gen finals at the end of the year. What would it mean to you to qualify for that tournament at the end of this year? So for me, it's, uh, yeah, it's incredible to, to be able to play uh, the next gen final at the end of the year. So uh, that uh, means that uh, I... I played a really good game uh, during the year and uh, yeah, it's a gift uh, for me that uh, is uh, really good. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. So a positive week for many of the young stars on the ATP Tour as they now turn their attention to the Miami Open presented by Itaú. Tournament director at the first Masters 1000 of the year is former world number four, James Blake. Um, holding up okay. This has been, uh, yeah, you're right. It's been a challenge, but it's been um, one that we feel uh, warrants the hard work that we put in. You know, we want to bring tennis back uh, to the States in 2021 and have this kind of an event, um, have a Masters 1000 and, and showcase the, the top talent in the world um, out here. And we were very uh very disappointed and saddened to know that we had to cancel last year it was just out of um safety precautions that we were actually shut down by the the miami politicians that that deemed it necessary and in hindsight it was clearly the right call um but now this year we're doing everything we can to uh, operate within the safety protocols and do everything to keep the players safe and you've got fans here limited numbers of fans talk to me about the decision making behind how many fans and what they can do when they're here well uh that's uh we consulted with medical professionals we consulted with the tours and we just wanted to do everything we could to to make the atmosphere um as 
as close to the normal Miami Open as we could uh, for the players. And, and we know how much it means to the players to have fans there, even if it's in limited quantities. Right now it'll be uh, between about 800 and 1,000 every day. And just to have anyone on site, um, it, it makes a difference for the players, for the atmosphere, to make them feel like they're playing and, and uh, putting on a show like they are. I mean, they, this is what they've, they've put in the hard work for and to get the, uh, the admiration of the fans and, and the appreciation from them. It, it is important. So um, we wanted to do everything we could, and um, this is the, the, the most we were able to do. And um, we understand that this year is going to be extremely unique. It's going to be different from any other year we're ever having this event. So um, we're going to kind of play it by ear each time and, and adapt and, and adjust as, as well as we possibly can. And in terms of the players they'll be watching, it's it's a wonderful draw still. Mm-hmm. It's not the draw it was, uh, the <laughs> elephant in the room, I guess, yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. uh, before we get on to who is here, mm-hmm. um, you must have been bracing yourself for the odd phone call, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. We understand that people's schedules are different. Everyone, uh, The one great thing I always loved about tennis, it's an individual sport. So everyone has their own uh, paths, their own journey, their own scheduling conflicts, their own injuries, uh, their own things to deal with. And um, I expected there would be some people that, that weren't going to make this trip and weren't going to be able to play here. Um, that's always the case with, with some players. And, and this year, yeah, we've lost some of the top players. But as a player myself, I always respected the depth of the game, and and I, I've never, you know, I've, I've lost sleep over plenty of things um, for for this event, but I, I haven't lost sleep over the fact that we're going to put out an unbelievable product. We've got world class players. Um, I always respect the depth of the men's and the women's tour, um, and any fan that does come out will see just unbelievable tennis the, the talent the hard work the dedication that's put in by all these players uh whether they have a one or two or three next to their name or a 25 or a 68 whatever it is um these players are excellent players and your top seed is going to be daniel medvedev mm-hmm. um as a former world number four just tell me if you will a little bit about what he's achieved in getting to number two in the world which is something let's face it that not many people have done in the last 15 years no it's it's really incredible I mean I was I was smack dab in the middle of that Roger and Rafa dominance and um you know, I, I in 2006 when I did get up to number four, I felt like I played um, about as well as I possibly could. I felt like I was um, on a mic on any given day I could beat anyone in the world. And those two just were so consistent and so dominant that it was just it was impenetrable. You couldn't get up to that top level. I mean, I felt like I think Navi Davidenko was three, and I felt like that was possible. Like maybe okay, uh, put together a few more good months, maybe I could get to to, to three. But that one and two seemed so far away. And for Medvedev to to chip away at it um, event after event, having great runs um, at the U.S. Open, obviously, and um, and then after the U.S. Open and um, in, in the indoor season, he, he just put together win after win after win, and it, it's really incredible for somewhat of an unorthodox game style uh, to be that effective and, and, and um, that talented and that mentally strong. I was always impressed by players that put together not just one event you know you can't get to number one or two or three or four in the world on one event you get there through consistency and he's been able to do that and for a young player it's showing that he's going to be around for many years to come I think yeah one of many or one of a few Russians who uh, are going to be very dangerous in the draw Mm -hmm. uh, here in in Miami Um, let's talk about your wild cards quickly because there's Mm -hmm. some definite stardust in there yeah the biggest name uh, is Andy Murray. I mean, that's uh, I, I'm I'm still thinking about all the other wildcard decisions we've been making throughout the throughout the last month or so. But you know, Andy Murray is uh, it's such a, an incredible talent. He's a guy that 
I played against plenty of times, have the utmost respect for his hard work. The guy, no one has ever questioned his work ethic, his desire to be out there on the court, his uh, tennis IQ, um, and his ability. So we're happy to have him here. We're happy to have um, such a great champion playing Miami Open again. Um, I believe he was a two-time champion here. And, um, you know, I just love seeing him play. He's got so much different – he's got so much variety in his game. Um, and you just see the heart and you see the passion. And right now at this point in his career, you see the passion just on him walking out on the court because he doesn't need to prove anything anymore. He's doing this for himself and for his fans. And um, he doesn't need anything financially. He doesn't need anything um, to cement his place in the in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't need any more wins for that. Um, but he's out here because he still loves the game. Um, he's been through such – difficult recoveries and rehab and um you know i love to see him I, I love to see him play and um yeah i'm happy i'm really happy he's gonna be here and then s- some americans uh, obviously mm-hmm. uh, i i guess the the one that springs to mind for me first is is michael mo who mm-hmm. had such a great tournament three years ago in crandon park but yeah. hasn't played miami since yeah um he's a guy that um has a lot of talent um but similar to some of the other young guys it, it takes a little while to develop um it's not it. It's not as easy, I don't think, as as many years past or generations past uh, to just break into to the top. You have to be there mentally, physically, um, and ready to ready to compete day in and day out. And um, it's just not easy. And especially with the last year, the starts and the stops, and um, what should people do with the schedule? And are tournaments going on? Are they not? Um, I think that's really difficult for a young player that doesn't already have an established ranking because they didn't know where they'd be playing, when they'd be playing what their training was going to look like. Um, so I think it was difficult for him last year. So um, hopefully he's got an opportunity to take advantage of uh, uh, of this chance here at the, at the Miami Open and, and make some strides, get some ranking points. And, um, you know, we'll see what the, draw, uh, what the draw looks like for him. In terms of logistics, let's just, I just want to talk to you a little bit about what, what you've managed to do to keep things as normal as possible for the players. Yeah. Um, Practice, preparations, conditions. How normal have you managed to make things? <laughs> well, uh, you'd have to ask the players to see what they feel about the rest of the the rest of uh, this event compared to the other events. But we've done everything we can. Um, practice courts is interesting because we've got um, our two people in charge are uh, are actually virtual when they're here they're they're on a computer uh as they're on on a monitor and the players are being able to converse with them that way um we're trying to do as many things over email as possible so there there isn't the the personal interaction um and then for the once it's on court i mean i know that always takes care of itself we've got hawkeye live um which makes it i think it puts the players at ease with the fact that you know it's um everything's being done accurately um the transportation they're doing shuttles uh for the most part so players can just go back and forth between hotel and courts and um players have adapted really well to that i do have to give credit to the players because they've they've adapted to so much over the last year um with each one of these events different uh cities different countries having different uh regulations and protocols and uh fans and no fans and They've adjusted to it all, and um, you know you hear grumblings here and there, but for the most part, players are happy to be playing. Um, they're happy to be here. That's that's one of the most um, overarching themes I've heard from players that I talk to as I'm walking the grounds. Is you know we're happy to be here, happy to be playing. So that um, that makes me feel good about the fact that we have done our done our part in making it um, as normal as possible. You mentioned all, all the countries are, are different, and of course they are. What, what are the main learnings you, you have, though, from other tournaments that you might have spoken to or even been to? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I took uh, some advice from and um, experiences from the U.S. Open. I was there as a commentator um, and then just got to look around and, and um, took some notes as I was there. And I think initially that was one of the one of the first that opened up when they did the uh, the Western and Southern there at the same site and then played the U.S. Open at all at Flushing Meadows with no fans. Um and just seeing how they went about the safety protocols um, and what they did with contact tracing when there was a positive test, all the things that they could do um, to make that tournament still run smoothly, um, even with those challenges. Um, and I was impressed by that. I think um, initially some of the reaction from the players and from the maybe even from the uh, from the media was seemingly unfair because as they went forward, you realize they did an excellent job. Um, you know, they did everything um, as well as could be expected in that situation. So I think um, the one of the things I learned from them is you, you do your best, you figure it out, and kind of let the dust settle at the end. Um, and and just know that you you've you've done everything you can to make to make it through to the finish line and, and give the players the the best opportunity to have I think one of the things that's really important for players is is that they have a, a fair um, a fair playing field, a level playing field. And if we can make it everything as fair as we can for the competition front here, um, and get the players out there and then their rackets will do the talking. And in terms of learnings from your first year here at the Hard Rock, I mean yeah. You know, the stadium in a stadium isn't here. So much has changed. D- did yeah. those learnings almost go out the window, or are there still things that you you cling to? Uh, obviously, two years ago now. Yeah, there's still some things, but it, it's been interesting because this is my fourth year, but only my third event, and everyone has been totally different. Um, the, the first one was the last year at Crandon Park, then the first year at Hard Rock, and now the first year under COVID protocols. So um, it's I'm I'm really clamoring for that normal year that I'm going to have but I'm starting to realize that maybe there is no normal when it comes to running an event um and uh you know my wife used to be uh working in events um and I think she's laughing uh quite a bit at the fact that I um may have been the athlete that thought things just happened and and I know a bunch of players just don't think about what happens behind the scenes and just show up and expect to have um, meals, expect to have transportation, expect to have laundry, expect to have uh, ticket requests, expect to have everything just taken care of without thinking about what goes on behind the scenes. And now for me to learn what goes on behind the scenes um, and be a part of it and see how important each um, sort of pillar in the process is, is uh, it's been fun. It's been a learning experience. And yeah, every year so far of the three that I've done, um, there have been new things to learn because there have been so many different new challenges. And I, I do actually really love it. I, I love these, um, uh, the fact that there is something always new to learn. I loved that about playing was that you're always trying to improve. And as a torrent director, I'm always trying to improve here. 2022 is going to be an absolute breeze. <laughs> I promise. Uh, we say that now, but we don't, we'll see. I hope, I hope you're right. <laughs> How desperate are you to just have some tennis to look forward to and to talk about? You know, for me as a, as a player to, to torrent director, that's, that's kind of the easy part. Once I get to sit and watch tennis and, uh, and talk about the tennis and, uh, interact with the players more. by that point, there's more interaction with the players about their matches, the match times and things like that. And, um, although there's more complaints about match times and which courts they're on and things like that I take I try to take those in general I take them as seriously as they as they deserve to be but think about the fact that once they go out there they're they're still going to play and give it their best so um those aren't going to make or break um the players careers and so I'm, I'm I'm excited to get started on those kind of normal interactions 
one final question, right. and I apologise because it is a little bit of a cliche, but given right. the situation, I think it is relevant. What does success look like for you come next, you know, next weekend? You know, um, success for this event is um, is getting through it safely, making sure the players um, feel like we've done everything we can to support them, uh, to make it so that this event, um, they realize that this event was a lot of hard work behind the scenes to make sure that they could showcase their abilities and get them another week of work or, well, 10 days of work on tour um, that we're, we're always just trying to make the tour better. Uh, you know, we're one event, but we're also part of a much bigger picture of the entire sport of tennis, and we want to, to shine a light on the bright spots of that. As we heard, former world number one Andy Murray heads Blake's list of wild cards, one of whom, America's Michael Moe, made the Miami headlines three years ago by shocking the then world number 15, Roberto Bautista Agut. That was at the old site in Crandon Park. Moe is now sampling life for the first time at the Hard Rock Stadium. I always love playing in Miami. You know, I live pretty close by in Sarasota, so it kind of feels like uh, my home tournament. And yeah, just always enjoy being back in uh, South Florida. That was a crazy week, wasn't it? I talked to your dad. I, t- I think I talked to a number of members of your team. But uh, what are your recollections just before we get into this year of, of that breakthrough tournament in many ways in 2018? Yeah, that was amazing. That was surreal. Um, you know, it was my first Masters win um, in my first round against uh, Eubanks. And it actually was my first time qualifying for a Masters 1000 as well. So it was, it was a lot of like first time achievements. And, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, first top 15 win as well. So the whole week was just like, you know, accomplishment after accomplishment. And uh, like you said, it was a really big breakthrough moment for me. And it, it was pretty surreal at the time, and uh, it still gives me confidence to this day. I'm sure it does. Tell me about life on the back of that. You know, you, you have such a massive tournament, and then I guess for you it was back to challenges and, and things like that. Um, is that tough? Yeah. I mean, um, right after I beat him, I think my next tournament was a stretch of challengers. And actually the first couple of challengers I didn't do that well just because you know, it was I was coming from such a high, and uh, going to the Challenger Tour, it was it was just tough. You know, it was just a different dynamic. Um, but I ended up having a great year, and I think because of that tournament, you know, it just gave me tons of like ammunition to play well for the rest of the year. And uh, but yeah, definitely, it's a tricky balance. You know, like coming from a high like that, going to you know a little bit of the grind in the Challenger Tour. And I've just seen you hitting. I mean, you're. you're hitting the cover off the ball there um you had a few setbacks talk talk to me about that the bumpy road between then and now yeah so 2018 was a great year for me I got into the top 100 for the first time and um had a bunch of big wins uh like the win against Batista and then right to start off uh 2019 I was main draw of Australian Open I was main draw of a lot of ATPs to start the year and um, I had a setback. I injured my, uh, my shoulder. Originally, they were going to say that I needed surgery and I was going to be out for a year. But they recommended that I could try like a five-month rehab, rehab program and see how that goes. Ultimately, that's what I did. And thankfully, I didn't have to go the surgery route. But at the end of the day, it still cost me you know, five months of you know, playing tournaments and training. And uh, that was definitely one of the toughest things that I've had to do in my career. You know, coming back from that, from that injury was brutal. Um, I had to basically start over from scratch and, 
you know, my game wasn't there and it took me a bunch of months to kind of get everything flowing. Um, but I feel like now I'm playing better than ever. I'm playing even better than uh, I did in 2018. So I feel like I can, um, you know, have a, a bigger breakthrough moment than I did in 2018. Uh, t tell us, um, people who are, are unfamiliar with your game, what, what, can, what can people expect from Michael Moe on the court? Um, I'm a great competitor, you know, like if you ever watch me play, I'm never going to give up. I'm going to fight to the last to the last point. You know, if you watch my Australian Open match, I was down 4-0 in the fifth against Troiki, double break, and I came back and won that match. You know, just moments like that prove that, you know, I'm a great competitor and um, I'm also a great athlete, you know, very fast on the court. And um, definitely, like, my aggressive game has improved a lot within the last couple of years. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to take time away from my opponents and just be more be more aggressive. I know I'm a great athlete, but um, I'm trying to add other tools to my game, and I feel like uh, that's why I'm a better player than 2018. 2018, I was a great athlete. Now I'm a, a great tennis player, I feel. You beat me to it because I was going to ask you about the Australian Open. On, on paper, it just looks like a, another breakthrough in, in many ways. Um, and you mentioned the, the win against Viktor Troitsky. It set you up for a match against Rafa Nadal. But talk to me about that, just the reality of you know, facing this great of the game in a Grand Slam. Yeah, that was another surreal moment. That was even, honestly, more special than uh, beating Batista. Just the fact that that was my first primetime match, you know, first match like on a big stadium court at a slam against one of the, you know, one of the goats. So um, at first, you know, it was just like very foreign, um, like everything was kind of new. Like I, I never hit on Rod Laver. I, ne I never really hit on like Arthur Ashe or anything. So just getting the whole feel of the whole stadium was was kind of new. But um, definitely a moment that I'll remember forever. And that actually gives me tons of confidence. Just the fact that, you know, I'm, I was able to play against, you know, one of the goats and I didn't even feel like, you know, I, I felt like I had so much more to tap into in my game wise. And uh, that just gets me excited because I feel like there's so much more that I can develop. And uh, the more I can go up against those guys, I think it would be huge. I'm sure you don't think about that necessarily straight away but having had a little bit of distance from it now what do you learn from playing a guy like Rafa on that stage just I mean his ball speed on every single ball is you know you see it on TV and you know to a certain level that like it's there but when you actually go up against it you know uh, it's definitely an eye-opener and uh, it just gave me it gave me like ton ton of feedback you know for my game just knowing that like that type of ball speed on every single ball and that type of intensity and that type of commitment to every single ball, like whether it be, you know, anytime he sees a short ball, he's pouncing on it. Like, doesn't matter. It's just almost instinct. So that type of commitment was really eye-opening and uh, definitely something that after that, like I really want to implement in my game as well. Do you learn more from losing to Rafa in three or from beating Troitsky in five to get to the Rafa game? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. I would say, honestly, playing Nadal, losing in three, even though it was a routine match for him, I learned so much more from that match. Like, I really got a chance to, like, reflect on everything that, you know, I need to improve on and everything that maybe I do well, but everything that I can definitely do a whole lot better to compete against, you know, one of the goats like him. I, I honestly think that uh, I learned more from the three-set match against Nadal, as, as crazy as that sounds. You've not played a 
a heck of a lot since that. Um, why is that? Yeah, just, uh, you know, with, with COVID and everything, um, Australia was a long tournament for me because I had to play qualies. So I left to play qualies on like January 5th and I didn't finish up until uh, I think the end of February. And then I played one tournament in Singapore, but I was actually in the hard quarantine in Australia too. So like that whole stretch was just like mentally very defeating. And um, I had to take a little bit of time off after that. I tried to play uh, Acapulco, but unfortunately I had a little bit of a minor setback that I felt like if I pushed in Acapulco, I was gonna be jeopardizing Miami. So I didn't want to do that. Um, I wanted to be 100% healthy for Miami, and ultimately I am 100% ready for Miami. Confident, raring to go? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Ready for another breakthrough moment. And good luck to Michael along with everyone else in Miami. That is it for this week. Next week we will also be here in Miami, by which time I'm sure there will be a lot more to talk about. Remember, you can tune in for live coverage from Wednesday on ATP Tennis Radio. Join us from 30 minutes before the first ball is struck every day and you will not miss a thing. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. That's at ATP Tennis Radio. You can find us live on atptour.com or through TuneIn. Just search for ATP Tennis Radio. That is it for now. Thank you for listening. Join us next week. Enjoy the tennis.